don't want him to stop. <laughs> that's why we don't want to quench him or grieve him, right? I'm telling you, that's, that's my most often prayed prayer right now is, Holy Spirit, have I quenched you or have I grieved you? I just don't want to. We want to walk with the dove on our shoulder, as, as Bill and others have said, being aware of his presence and not doing anything that would, that would hurt him. Like we used the, the reference like if you've asked Jesus into your heart and you've made him the Lord of your life, then we belong to him, right? Yeah. Uh, isn't that true? So we've become sons and daughters. So if my son does something wrong or does something to hurt my heart or, or disobeys, I don't disown my son in the moment, right? <laughs> but he can hurt my heart. He can grieve me. He can quench the, the, the things that I would love to do for him. You understand what I'm saying? Like he can stop the flow by breaking connection with me. But he doesn't stop being my son. So it's the same when we're walking with God. Like we, we believe that, that he's able to, to save us for now and for eternity. And I like that we were saved. I'm being saved. And one of these days I will be fully saved, right? That, that's the process here. But it takes his presence for me to be saved. So here's the point. So we've had, we grew up kind of with this mindset like, man, if I do something wrong or if I sin, my sin separates me from God. And even when I say that word, that sin separates us from God, we probably all have heard that or believed that in our life, but it's not actually true. Like, if sin separated us from God, then how would anyone ever find relationship with God? So it's not our sin that separates us. It's our choice of making him Lord or not that separates us. It's our decision that separates us. Because he says that, that he will not reject us. He says that he will never leave us nor abandon us. He will not leave us as orphans. So if he's made his promise to be with us for eternity till the end of the age, then the only way for me to break this thing off between us is me to decide I don't want to walk with you anymore. And so even in that moment, how many of you have ever walked away from the Lord? You've had a moment in your life where you've walked away from your relationship with God. Did you still hear his voice? Probably more than at other times. Were you not awakened at night with his spirit singing and praying over you and reminding you of who you were? When we were doing things that were breaking covenant with him, did we not feel his presence in us convicting us for it? Because he's with us. So it's really important that we learn that, yes, he's there, but we can distance ourselves from him by, by the choices that we make. And we can grieve him and we can quench him. And so we don't want to do that. How many, how many agree? I don't want to grieve him or quench him. And the way we define this is we, we grieve God when we do wrong things. When we purposely do things we know are wrong, we grieve the heart of God. We grieve the Holy Spirit. It actually hurts his heart. And we quench him when we don't do the good things that we should do. It's like I, I can, I can as it's hard to, to use this example. I, I hate using my own family as an example, but it's like my, I can look at my kids and be like, oh, they're capable of so much more. Like, I know it's in you. How many of you have ever felt that about your kids? Like, man, I know you've really got this in you, and I wish you would believe it, because once you believe it, then it's going to manifest itself. But I, I see that in you, 
And we can do this thing where God sees this thing inside of us and we can quench this movement of our potential of what we could do. And so we don't want to, we don't want to grieve and we don't want to quench the Holy Spirit. And so God, we just ask that you would help us to become more sensitive to your presence. Help us to become more sensitive to your Holy Spirit of when we grieve you or when we quench you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Got uh, just a couple of quick things, and we'll jump into. I'm going to finish up the word I started a couple of weeks ago. Um, I just want to welcome, if you're here, guests. Thank you for being here. We're awesome. We pray that God does something special for you and your family. Joshua, Jessica, and Jubilee. Jubilee's here today, so we it's a, we declare a year of jubilee for for this house. So we welcome you. If you, if you want to uh, fill out a card, if you're a guest, that's right in the seat in front of you. Men, we have a meeting tonight at five o'clock. So all the men. We'd like for you to show up. We'll have a meeting tonight. Um, we do house of prayer on Wednesday nights from 630 to 730. We even had a Zoom house of prayer this last week because no one was driving anywhere in the Metroplex um, unless you had a, a four-wheel drive or a Jeep or something. Um, so house of prayer Wednesday nights at 630 here. We'd love for you to show up, bring your family. Um, and then we have this month, just kind of threw this in there. We're just going to read through the book of James over and over and over again through this month. I don't know why the book of James jumped up in my spirit, but it did. And so we're just going to read that. So we just invite you to read the book of James. This is uh, the, one of the brothers of Jesus. Um, pretty cool things if you want to read the history of this. He was actually the leader of the church of Jerusalem after Jesus died, and he was martyred and killed in, in the year 62 um, AD. Um, and he wrote this book, and it's it's got some some really good meat in this book where it kind of tells us how to tame our tongue and not to be double-minded and things like that. So uh, book of James. Uh, next Sunday, we have this really special special treat coming up this next Sunday. I kicked it off. Uh, these buttons are too close for my fat fingers. Um, anyway, next Sunday, our youth are going to be um, bringing the word. They're going to have prayer stations. They're going to run the service. We'll have worship, uh, but we're going to hand it off to our young people, and we're going to let them run the show and do the things that they, that God's put inside of them, so we're excited about that. Uh, I look forward to more of these kinds of days, um, so that's next Sunday, and then uh, quick, quickly, quickly, if you're interested, how many have ever heard of Sozo Ministry? It's, it's inner, you may have heard us say it, but it's an inner healing ministry, and it's something that we want to become very proficient at. We want to offer here at this, at this church as, a, as part of our transformation uh, center that we want to become. And so if you would like to be trained in Sozo ministry, and um, basically they equip you with the tools to run this, uh, this, this ministry, please see uh, Hank. I'm going to see Hank. He's wearing the, the John Deere green. On a hot summer night, he wrote Billy Bob Love, Charlie. Anyone remember that song? Old country song, John Deere Green. Anyway, that's what I think of when I see John Deere Green. That song comes to my mind. Anyway, Sozo Training, if you would like to be trained to do this, and you've, uh, we would love for you to join us for that. Um, and then the last Sunday of the month, I kind of just want to lay out everything that the Lord's been doing privately in my heart for for quite a while, for a few months, but I want to bring it into the open. I want to talk about it. I want to kind of set where we're going in the future. Um, we've talked about this a lot here. We've dealt a lot with with cleaning, fixing, adjusting, renovating, doing all kinds of stuff, and now it's like we felt like we had the season where we can kind of dream. What do we want Fire Life to look like going forward? And more importantly, what do we want to hand off to the next generation? And I want to hand them a house of prayer I want to hand them some other things that we don't have right now. I want to say, here, run with it. 
I don't, I want to say here, we've tried to clean up every mess that we can find to clean up, and we try not to create any messes for you. We just want you to run as fast as you can with this. And so that's what I want to lay out um, the last Sunday of the month. And then right after service, if you lead or volunteer in any um, area of the church, we want to just have a quick all-leader, all-volunteer meeting to just kind of take what I talk about with the vision and then say, here's how we're going to implement some of it. So that's the last Sunday of the month. And if you have your offering, we'll pass the buckets real quickly. Um, <clears throat> yeah, the Lord's been good. He's been faithful. Whew. Yep. So let's just pray. So I know most of you give online, but can you just, I love how Shagoon says, take your phone or something, your wallet, and we're just going to, this represents our sacrifice unto the Lord. So if you would just do that, Lord, we thank you for giving us our jobs. We thank you for giving us promotions, raises, bonuses, all the things you've done, God. You've been a great provider, and we thank you for it. And we just, we give it all to you. Like through this simple act of obedience of tithe, the 10%, It's us saying we give it all to you. We ask for you to be our provider, our manager of our finances, of our our wealth. And so, God, we thank you for your your faithfulness and your goodness to us in this. And we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. You guys are awesome. Thank you, Kyle, for fixing my fat fingers again. One of these days I'm going to get this right. I'm just going to get all the way to the end and not touch this anymore. All right, if you would like to open your Bible to James. Uh, we're going to be in James chapter 3 and James chapter 4. I just want to cover uh, some stuff we talked about two weeks ago. So last, last week we had the, uh, the table, and it was wonderful, great to have all of you here. And, uh, but two weeks ago we talked about lordship, and we took the story of, of, of Saul, which was found in 1 Samuel 15, and I'm not going to take a long time to give an overview, but basically Saul was given direct instructions from God to kill all of the Amalekites, to kill everything, the women, the children, the animals, the dogs, the cats, the fish, everything. Don't leave anything alive. Don't take anything with you. Destroy all of it. And Saul decided he had a better idea and that his idea was better than God's idea. And he said, we'll just keep the best stuff and we'll bring that to God as an offering. And, and, and Saul's like, uh, Samuel says to Saul, did you obey God? He goes, oh yeah, we obeyed the Lord completely. And then Samuel's like, well, then how come I hear sheep? And how come I hear cows and oxen? And he's like, well, we thought we would bring God an offering. And he told him that it was a wicked thing that he had done. And he says that God desires obedience more than sacrifice. And the reason that this is important is because, um, like, he wants obedience because that's our lordship. That's, that's his lordship, excuse me. So when God says, do this or don't do this, it's him exercising his lordship in our lives, and us obeying him is us saying, yes, God, you are Lord. Hello? Think about it this way. So when we worship and we're like, oh, Jesus, you're Lord, we love you, that's great. But real worship is this. When God says, this is the way you should live, and this is how I expect for you to be on the earth, and we say, yes, God, we will live that way. That's, that's worship. And so obedience is our, rep- our recognition of God's lordship in our life. And we're saying yes to you, whatever you say. Now, our sacrifice is our lordship because we are independent. I get to make decisions for myself, right? The Bible says that, it, that every person has a choice, that it's their choice whether to serve God or not. And every one of us will stand before God and give an account for our decisions. That's true. Which means that I have some lordship over my life. 
but I'm not the Lord. So obedience is me recognizing God's lordship. Now sacrifices are me saying, I really want to do this for God. This just came up in my heart, and I really want to bless him, and I want to give him an offering and a sacrifice. And as long as that doesn't go against his commands, then God sees it as a beautiful sacrifice. And here's the cool part. So when my lordship bows to his lordship, it's beautiful in God's eyes, and it's pleasing to him. And it causes him to open the windows of heaven of favor and blessing over our lives. But if my lordship goes against his lordship, I have stepped into what he says there in 1 Samuel is rebellion and witchcraft. Like, oh. <laughs> and this is what God says to Saul. Because you disobeyed me and your lordship overrode my lordship. This is my translation of it, but this is what happened. Because your lordship was more important to you and the fear of people, because your lordship was greater than my lordship as God, I regret that I made you king. And someone else is going to take your place. And I, I, you know, I use this, it's straight there. It says, someone better than you. <laughs> God drove it in. Someone who's better than you are, Saul. Like, can you imagine the most proud person hearing that from God saying, I'm rejecting you as king. Oh, and I'm going to put someone better in your place. <laughs> and so, so the, the great verse is like, God requires obedience over sacrifice. To yield to him is better than the fat of rams. In other words, to just do what he asks us to do is better than all the sacrifices, all the ideas that we can come up with that seems like worship to God. And so we talked about lordship. And 1 uh, Corinthians 12 says, I do not want you to be ignorant about spiritual things. This is Paul opening up, and he begins to talk about spiritual gifts. But he's saying, I don't want you to be ignorant that you are spiritual beings. And so we talked about how lordship can be um, sponsored by, th by three other things. So if God is not Lord, then there are three other realms that will fight for lordship. And the first one is the world, the world system. Then we talked about the flesh, which is sin, the carnality of man, the sin, the flesh. And then the third one is actually the demonic and the, the satanic realm. And so if I am not yielding my lordship to the lordship of God's, then one of those other three realms is sponsoring my passions. I want to pause and slow down now, okay? I got caught up a little bit with the review. I want to slow down because this is so important. Because we've made the mistake of thinking that the satanic realm and the demonic realm is more wicked than worldliness or the flesh. But they're all evil in God's eyes. Amen? Yeah. All of them are evil. And we think, oh, satanic things are worse. Me offering God a sacrifice, thinking it's better than what he told me to do, is just as evil as a satanic ritual. Well, if God asks me to do something and I'm like, oh, I've got a better idea. He says that's the same as you doing witchcraft. Oh, I would never do tarot cards, witchcraft, cast spells. I would never abort babies in the, you know, to God, to the God of Molech and do this witchcraft stuff. It's the same thing when we disrespect and disobey God. Man. Come on. Like, ow. It's really hard to be a Christian. It is. 
I, I know that we grew up in a time where the, the whole gospel was saying, oh, it's easy to follow Jesus. All you just got to do is say yes to Jesus, and then you float into heaven with angels' wings. How many have had that experience as a Christian? It's not easy, is it? And why is it not easy? Because I'm not only still battling against the demonic realm, but I'm also living in a world system that's sponsored by the demonic realm that, that educated me through school. How many went to public school? Yeah, it, it shows all of us, right? <laughs> like, we were educated in the world system. We were taken like Daniel and, and the three Hebrew children out of, out of our, our religious, our, our perfect world and brought into Babylon and trained. And we wonder why, man, why is it so difficult for me to believe God for the impossible or for me to surrender my will to him? Because I've been educated from the world system that says do whatever makes you feel good. There's no, there's no moral absolutes. It's, it's different for you than it is for me. And we've grown up in this world that says this is how you're supposed to think. And we wonder, well, why is it hard to stay, stay close to Jesus? Well, because we've been educated in Babylon. And that's why he says that we need to renew our mind, not to be conformed to the patterns of the world system, but to be transformed. And then on top of that, we've got our own flesh that has all kinds of wants and desires. And then the world system taught us that those wants weren't just wants, they were actually needs. Can you think how sneaky this is to, to believe that things that, our wants, they're extra, that we have come under a system that says, no, those aren't wants, they're needs. I could, I could start naming stuff, like, if you think about it, like, I'm not going to, but there's just, like, we could, I could say, I need to have sexual relationship. No, we don't. We don't need sex to live. Oh, but it's a need. It's a need in my marriage that's not being fulfilled. We have this whole thing that we do because we've been educated in a world system. It's not true. We can survive without sex. Just use a, the most crazy one to get your attention. <laughs> but it's, it's like, well, I have my needs. That's the world system telling us that a want is a need, and it's not true. Actually, I am supposed to be the master of my body, every part of it. I'm supposed to be completely in control of myself. There should be no passion that I have, whether it's for food, for sex, or for any kind of pleasure, that becomes to the point where it's a need for me. Jesus didn't even need food. <laughs> He's like, I've got food you guys don't even know about. And my food is to do the will of the one who sent me. In other words, yeah, we eat food for nourishment. But that's not what makes me alive. It's the word of God. It's the obedience to God's voice that makes me alive. And so we, get, we got saved in a world that says, if you just say yes to Jesus, then you'll float into heaven with angels' wings, and it'll be all beautiful. Everything will go well. And then you and I go through Christianity, and we get kind of jaded. And we start looking around. We're like, how come it's not as easy as I thought it was supposed to be? And then guess what we start to do? Oh, it's the church's fault. Oh, it's that person's fault. It's this, it's that. Instead of saying, wait a second, I've got systems fighting against the heavenly realm inside of me. And they are making war with my spirit. And I have to overcome them. I have to take authority over them. Like, Mandy can't take authority over the spiritual battles that I have in my life. 
She can partner with me because we are one in God's eyes, right? She can partner with me, but she cannot take full authority over it because it's my issue of lordship. I have a little L lordship over me. I've got to take authority of my little L lordship and bring it under the lordship, capital L, of God. So when we say, oh, it's, it should be Christianity, it's the prosperity gospel. Can you prosper in the kingdom? Absolutely. Is it better to serve God than to not serve God? Of course it is. Are there benefits to serving God? Absolutely. I mean, he's the one that said he's the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So there are rewards that comes with serving him. But the reward doesn't come by saying yes to him and being like, okay, that's all I got to do. The reward comes when we make him capital L Lord. I can't be the capital L Lord and say that I'm going to be blessed by God. You're like, well, I've been there before and I've had some blessing come into my life. That's right, because these other atmospheres can manipulate things to look like blessing. How many of you ever wanted something and you, you knew deep down it wasn't really the right thing? But you did it anyway and you got it. How did, how did we feel when we got that thing we wanted in the moment? Just take just a minute. It could, be, it could be a second. It could be 10 days. It could be 10 years that we felt good about that thing. And then when we look back at it, we're like, oh, that was really bad. But in the moment, we felt glory. Ooh, I got my way. It feels really good to get my way. It felt like anointing. Well, there must be God because, man, I felt, I felt alive. But the Bible says that the blessing of the Lord, capital L, the blessing of the Lord makes us rich. And then it says what else? It adds no sorrow to it. What happens when I become the Lord and I pull things into my life, into my orbit, and I make things happen, and I get this, this blessing from it, is if it's from me, it will add sorrow to my life. But if it's from him, there will be no sorrow added to it. Like, does that mean that I'm never sad? That's not what he's talking about here. He's talking about the, the negative consequence that comes from us getting access to things we shouldn't have had access to. It would be like, for example, us taking a five-year-old kid and saying, yeah, sure, come walk on the roof with us. Can they walk on the roof? Oh, absolutely. They can walk on the ground. They can walk on the roof. But there's a lot more danger on the roof, right? And that would be what it's like us getting access to things. that, Yeah, we can make that happen. But, man, it's more dangerous when we do it our way. And there's so much more sorrow that can be added to it. And so the Lord's telling us, I want to be the Lord of your life. <sighs> Barely even get started here. <clears throat> again, we make the mistake of thinking that Satan is more wicked than sin or worldliness, and it's not. So that this, this means that we can operate spiritually, but be in the wrong spirit. This may be a four-part sermon, so we'll, we'll cover this part and see where we're at in just a moment. But this literally means that we can operate spiritually, but be of the wrong spirit. Because we're spiritual beings. We will live forever. We are spiritual so when you talk to people who are like, oh, I'm not religious, I don't believe in God or Jesus, and that, but I'm spiritual. It sounds like crazy stuff to us, but it's true. Yeah. 
Yeah, you're right. You are spiritual. You will live forever. But what you don't understand is that's probably another spirit sponsoring you that you don't know about. That's real. And so we can operate in things that seem spiritual but be from the wrong spirit. And there's a a story in Luke chapter 9, and I'm not going to read the whole story. It's just short. But Jesus is on his journey. I mean, they just had all these amazing things happen, all right? Uh, Let's see here. There's miracles of healing. Jesus sends out the apostles. Um, He feeds the 5,000. He prophesies his death and resurrection. He talks about true greatness. He's on his way to, and all, they just saw this great stuff about Jesus. And so they're on their way, and it says that Jesus was passionately determined to go to Jerusalem because it's getting close to his time to fulfill his mission, which was the cross. And as he's going, he comes to a village, and the people in the village, they turned him away. They're like, you, you can't come through here. you got to go a different route. And it made the disciples angry. They were really mad. <laughs> Let me see here real quick. And they were like, hey, Jesus, these guys are not treating you well. It felt like a spiritual thing for them, right? We're going to protect Jesus. He's the Messiah, guys. We're right here because we're defending him. And they're like, so to defend you, Jesus, can we do what Elijah did and call fire down from heaven and just kill him? (laughs) And they thought, man, we're zealous for the things of God. We're protecting God. We're protecting the Messiah, the Son of God. Surely he'll be proud of us. Oh, yeah, guys. Man, I love that you love me so much that you would kill for me. And he's like, he looks at them, and he's, he's bothered by it. And he looks at them. He goes, you do not know what spirit you are of. Now, think about it for a moment. How many different times did something like this happen when Jesus would tell them, hey, uh, you know, I'm going to die. Oh, never, Lord. I will never let that happen. Well, get behind me, Satan. You're an offense to me. Like anything that got in between the mission, Jesus would stand up and say, you don't know what spirit you're of. You're of another spirit right now. And I wanted to to drive this point home before we just kind of hit pause for the next time. But I can think of so many times in my life where I felt spiritually right. But I was just spiritual, being sponsored by a different realm. Worldliness, or selfish ambition, or pride, or whatever it was, was sponsoring me. And because I I also have access to the kingdom and to the gifts that God's given me, I could take what was sponsoring my mood and take the gifts that I have and use them to fulfill my lordship and is not pleasing to the Lord, capital L. But I could look back and be like, I was right. It wasn't your time, Jesus. I wasn't going to let him treat you like that. I wasn't going to let that happen. I'm defending the right. I'm right. I'm right. I'm right. I'm right. And Jesus was saying, you are of the wrong spirit. How many of you have ever experienced anything like that? Well, I'm a child of God. How can I be influenced by another spirit? Because we live in a fallen world, and there is a demonic, and we do have a flesh that we are supposed to crucify every single day. 
And we do live in a world system that has educated us to think the wrong way. We come to the wrong conclusion because of the world system. And the Lord's saying to us, the only way to solve this is to surrender, to submit to God, resist the devil. I added to it, well, deny ourselves, and then to obey and whatever, do whatever he says. Like this is it, to follow him. Submit to God. We don't like to do that. Because the word submit, whatever I submit to is my Lord. You guys are still okay? I know I'm, I'm editing as I go to, to piece this together for later, but whatever we obey is our Lord. That's what the Bible says. So if, if, if we obey sin, then sin has become our master, our Lord. If we submit to this thing, it has become the Lord of our life. We're like, oh no, it's not the Lord over my life. A thousand percent it is. And we wonder why I have impulses and feelings that, that fortify my need for that thing in random times. Like if I, be- let's go back to it. If I believe that, that sex is a need and I make it Lord of my life and my marriage, then absolutely that thing is going to send out signals to validate it is a need. See, my, my drive is just higher than everyone else's. It's just a need. We, and then we justify. Come on. I, we're, no, we're all right. I'm sorry. Come on. <laughs> I was like, we're all adults, and I'm looking around making sure, and then I'm like, yeah, I see you. Thanks. <laughs> like, it's true. The world system and the demonic and the flesh will work together to make the thing we feel true. And Jesus says the only cure for it is to kill your flesh, to be renewed in your mind, to not think like the world, and to not give the enemy any access to your life. And the only way that happens is through God being the Lord and me submitting myself to him. Is that sufficient for today? We can pause there. Why don't you stand? So how do I know what is the Lord of my life? What do I obey? Let's make this really... If I have a problem with food and I obey the urges of my hunger, I just got to have that chocolate milk and ice cream every single day, whatever it is, then that thing has become Lord of my life. It has authority. It has a, has a place in me that it shouldn't have. We'll close with this. We'll tag this on later. So we were sitting at the dinner table the other day, and um, we were discussing um, just discussing a specific topic that, that, that I was researching and studying it on. It's not important right now. Um, but in it, I asked, I asked my kids and the family a question. I said, hey, guys, I want to ask you a question. Is God and the kingdom inclusive 
or is it exclusive? I want you to think about it. Don't answer. Is God in the kingdom inclusive or is it exclusive? And I had a good little talk. And I'm, I don't think it's inclusive. I think the kingdom is exclusive. And the reason I think that's true is because Jesus says, I am the only way to the Father. There's only one way. It's through me, the door. Now, once you go through this door, the kingdom opens up and there are infinite possibilities. And so we said, well, is, is, is everyone invited to the table? Absolutely. Everyone is invited to the table of God. Go invite everyone to the table. Come and have this meal and sit down at the table. But then guess what the topic is going to be at the table? Hey, guys, all of you, you got to die. You got to kill your flesh. You don't get to stay the same way you came to this table. Oh, but I thought, I thought the kingdom was inclusive. Absolutely. Everybody come to the kingdom. Sit and hear the message of the kingdom. The message of the kingdom is repent and follow Jesus. But there's this thing that's in the world right now. It's in the church. I should play a clip. It's in the church, and it says, belong, believe, become. And you're like, all these churches all over are using this belong. You belong here before you believe, and then you become what God wants you to be. And I'm like, no. The kingdom says you have to believe to belong, to become. It's exclusive. So when we, we try to tell people, oh, everybody can be a Christian, it's okay, everybody's included at the table of God, you know, it's only partially true. It's only partially true. We leave out the other part that offends people. It says, yeah, you got to die, and you got to eat his flesh and drink his blood. What? Yes, that's the kingdom, because it's valuable. Hello? The kingdom is valuable. And if something's valuable, you don't make it available to everyone, or what will happen to it? Give you an example. Put a nice, beautiful basketball court in any neighborhood. It doesn't matter. Poor or rich neighborhood, and don't, don't put any restrictions on access to it. And what will that basketball court look like a year from now? Trash. Because if you make it available to everyone, and there's no, no, nothing on your part to protect it and take care of it and tend to it and watch over, then we don't care about it. And the kingdom's like that. It's not just this free-for-all, come do whatever you want, come get in the kingdom, it's all good. No, it's valuable. And it requires a sacrifice on all of our parts. And we've taken that message out of the gospel. And what we've actually done is we've taken lordship out of the kingdom. And we wonder why there's no power in our gospel. Because power comes from his lordship. It comes from the scepter of a king. He is our friend. But power and authority comes from a king's scepter. And he has earned it. Come on. Jesus earned this. He deserves it. I'm not a king. So let's just right now make a new commitment to him. Let's make him Lord. Let's just stop everything we're doing. Maybe you've never done this before or you're at home. Right now, just ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Jesus, be the Lord. I'm not Lord. I am not Lord. I am not Lord. I am not the boss. 
If we've if we've heard uh, like commands from him and we've been like, oh, I'm going to bring it as a sacrifice from my perspective, like Saul did. Let's repent of that right now. God, we're sorry for not fully obeying what you told us to do. Completely fulfilling what you told us to do, God. We believe what you said. Obedience is better. You're right, God. Your way is better. It's so much better your way, God. And we kill our flesh right now. We bring our flesh under submission of your lordship, God. My body belongs to you. Come on, why don't you pray these things about your prayer? Your own words, but topic. I belong to you, Jesus. My body is yours. My passions are yours. My desires, my dreams, my goals, my ambitions, my memories. Whew. Someone, you're going to be healed from, from memory. You've, you've had some things that, have, that are memories, and they're basically true, but they've been skewed through a, a, a lens, a warped lens, and the Lord's going to shift how you view that memory going forward. So God, if that's me, I say yes to that, God. I give you my memories. I give you the way I remember experiences in my life. I bring it under your lordship, not under mine. I, I feel like I need to pause there. Do you know how... how how much it can affect the way we live our life if we take a memory and it's, it is viewed through the lens of our lordship instead of God's. How much it can affect the way we live our life going forward. How easily we can become offended or jaded or wounded or sensitive or whatever it is. And the Lord wants to heal us from that right now. So Jesus, we say yes to your emotional healing right now, God. Heal our memories. Whew. Heal the trauma that's been attached to them, God, and help us to see them through a different eye today, through a different lens, through your lordship, not through ours. See, our lordship is, I'm going to save my life. I'm going to protect myself. You said if we try to do that, we'll lose ourselves. So help us to see through your eyes, God. God, if I've built up wounds and offenses in my heart through the years by misviewing things, I ask that you would clean it up. Let me build on a new foundation today, God. Oh, he's making us beautiful, guys. <laughs> That's what he's doing right now. He is purifying his bride. How many have felt that? Mm, he's putting us in the fire to burn out all the stuff that's not his. And God, we love, we love you, Father, for disciplining us, for pruning us, because you love us. I'm going to ask you to pray one more time for someone close to you then if you want prayer we'll meet you here at the front we want to pray over you if you need someone to, to tag team and pray over something specific just take another moment and bless the person 
God's doing something in the room. Just say, God, keep doing that in their heart. We surrender to you, God. I was bought with your blood, Jesus. We were bought with your blood, and we belong to you. And you're worthy of our obedience, and you're worthy of the life we live, and you're worthy of the sacrifices we bring to you. You're worthy, Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. That's you, Jesus. You were the Lord of lords. You were the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end, the first, the last. You're the one who was, who is, and is to come. It's you, Jesus. The champion of heaven. The Savior, the Messiah. And we submit to you. We break agreement with the other realms. We break agreement with the demonic. Look. I don't think it has to be said, but I'm going to say it. If you read your horoscope or if you do tarot cards or if you do any of this stuff, if you watch shows with witches stuff in it or stop, it is an access door to the enemy. Like, oh, I can handle it. Well, maybe you can, but ask him first. Because we're not legalistic. Maybe you can ask him first. We break, break agreement with fear. Come on. These, there, there, are, there are doors that gives the enemy access. It's demonic. It, it's, it's fear. It's unforgiveness and sexual sin. Those are the things that, that just open up the enemy. We break agreement with these things right now, with the demonic, with fear, with sexual sin, and with unforgiveness, God. We break agreement. We will give the enemy no foothold. Ephesians 4.29 says, Do not give the devil a foothold. We break that right now. You have no place in us. We are not yours. We belong to the king. You know who he is. You recognize his authority. Well, he's the one who has authority on my life. Yeah. Well, God, what you've started, I ask that you'll continue and bring it to completion. He who began a good work in us will faithfully complete it. Come on. We bless you. If you need prayer, we want to meet you here and pray for you. You guys are awesome. God's doing something good. Wednesday night prayer, read the book of James, talk to Jesus, talk to Holy Spirit, walk with him all week long, uh, prophesy to your neighbor, your coworkers, whatever. We just bless you. Thank you for being here.